We're going through the book of Romans in this series entitled, God's Righteousness, A Great God, Amazing Salvation. And let's, before we continue, let's review what we have covered so far. Last time we saw this outline of Romans. For the introduction of the gospel, it follows about the condemnation and the need for God's righteousness. And what follows after that is the justification or the provision of God's righteousness. Then after that, we'll talk about sanctification and then restoration, application, and then conclusion. And in particular, we will focus on the third part, the justification or the provision of God's righteousness from chapter three to chapter five. And here is a more detailed outline of that section. That's the summary of justification from chapter three, verses 21 to 31. Then the illustration of justification through the life of Abraham, that's in chapter four, which we looked at last week. And then today we will look at the blessings of justification from verses one to 11. And then next week, is about the imputation of justification. And today, we will look at verses one to 11 of chapter five, the blessings of justification. Now, there are three things that we can learn about this passage, and this is something amazing. Again, what is justification? To be justified means to be made right with God. God is our judge, but he no longer considers us as guilty sinners. Instead, God declared us righteous through Christ, and through the gift of salvation, God now freely offers us this gift of justification. And not only that, this gift of justification comes with a lot of blessings, and these are the three things that we will look at. Number one is peace with God, second is hope of glory, and third is joy in suffering. Let's begin. The first is the blessing of peace with God. Peace with God. Romans chapter five, verses one to two. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. To better appreciate this reality, let me give you this illustration. Imagine a person revolted against the Philippine government and started a terrorist group, and they declared an all-out war against the Philippine government. They destroyed properties, they robbed people, and killed many innocent civilians. But then the president reached out to this group and said, put down your arms, return to the government. Sumuko na kayo, wala kayong magiging kaso, basta sumuko kayo at pagbalik loob. And then, after some thought, this rebel group surrendered to the president and the president fulfilled the promise. The rebel group were given full pardon and amnesty, but then something amazing happened. The president decided to legally adopt the leader of the rebel group. And he said, starting today, you are now part of the first family. You will be part of my family. And starting today, you will enjoy living with me in Malacanang. Now think about it. If you were that rebel group leader, how would you respond? Would you be grateful to the kindness of the president? Of course, because he gave you something that is, more, something that is better than what you deserve. And you see, this is something that illustrates God's grace to us. Before, we were God's enemies, and we hated God so much, and we are at war. But then, God forgave us through Christ. But not only that, he adopted us into his family and gave us access to the throne of his grace. And that is the great blessing that we now have, since we have the peace with God. Now, let's go to the second blessing of justification. 
the blessing of hope of glory. The hope of the glory of God. Paul says, and we boast in this hope of the glory of God. Before we continue, let me share with you this chart and explain it to you. You see, our relationship with God has two aspects. First is judicial, and second is parental. Look at the left side of the chart. Before God saved us, our relationship with God is judicial. God is the righteous judge, and we stand before him as guilty sinners, and our destiny is God's wrath and judgment. But praise God for his mercy. Through Jesus Christ, God sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross, and he, what? He justified us, declared us not guilty, and reconciled us, repaired, and restored our relationship back to him. And through what? By faith and through the blood of Christ, or, it, or meaning through his death. And what happened after that? We have now changed our relationship with God. Before it was judicial, but now it has become parental. Before we were condemned to die, but now we were forgiven and justified, and then we are now adopted children of God's family. And that is something amazing. God is now our parent. He is now our heavenly father. And that is the second blessing that we receive from God. We are now children of God and we are now co-heirs with Christ and our destiny is the glory of God. And that is the hope that we are to exalt or rejoice in as Paul is saying here. And so with that blessing, we can boast, we can rejoice, we can express great thanksgiving and joyfulness. Why? Because God has lavished us with so much love and this precious gift. Now think about it. What is hope? In the Greek mindset, in the worldly mindset, hope is only a possibility. It may happen or it may not happen. It's something na sana mangyari, sana magkatoto. For example, if you are courting someone, it doesn't guarantee that uh, that person will say yes to you. It may or it may not happen. Or for example, if you are, if your doctor tells you that you now have an, um, a terminal illness, a serious disease, you are just wishing hopefully that you will get healed. It may not happen or it may happen. That is the hope that we have in a worldly sense of you. But the biblical hope is different. And what is that? It's the opposite of the worldly hope. Biblical hope or godly hope, it has something that has a, a sense of certainty and guarantee. As Hebrews 11:1 1 tells us, it is faith that has a confidence and the hope of having that assurance about what we do not see. There is certainty, there is confidence, there is assurance about the hope that we have by faith. In other words, biblical hope is a confident expectation of what is going to happen because God said it will happen. That is the biblical sense of hope. And what is this hope that we have? It is the hope of future glory, as Paul tells us, as Romans 5 verse 2, and that is the hope that we boast in, the hope of the glory of God. Now, what is the glory of God? I want you to imagine a diamond that has many facets. One facet of the glory of God is his perfect righteousness. His perfect righteousness. Because all of us have sinned, all of us have fallen of the glory of God. All of us have fallen short of God's glory. But now for those of us who are in Christ, God paid the penalty for our sins and God saved us. But then we will 
continue to struggle in sin in, in this world. We still fall into temptation, we sin against each other, we hurt each other, and we still live for ourselves more than we live for God. But in the future, God will ultimately rescue us from the power and the presence of sin. We will be perfect like Christ. We will have no more sin in our thoughts, in our motives, in our desire, in our words and actions. That's the future glory that we can look forward to in terms of the perfect righteousness. Now one facet also is God's perfect love. First John 3 verse two tells us that when Christ appears, we will be like him. That means when Jesus comes back, we will have that same perfect relationship with God. We will love God perfectly with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we will love others perfectly as Christ loved us. So imagine that grace, that the hope that we can look forward to of having that perfect relationship with other people and with the Lord. Imagine that perfect relationship of having genuine intimacy and openness without fear of being rejected, being manipulated, or being taken advantage of. That is something that we can look forward to and hope in that future glory of that perfect love. Then another facet of the glory of God is God's perfect shalom. Shalom is a Hebrew word that we translate as peace in English, but it has a limited uh, connotation because of the, the language. We, when we say peace, it's just an absence of war or, or tranquility, but the Hebrew concept of shalom is more than that. Shalom in the Hebrew mind means lasting wholeness, completeness, health, prosperity, safety, wellness, overall fulfillment and satisfaction. That's the word of shalom. And that is the glory that we can look forward to. For example, we will have glorified bodies in the future, in the new heavens and the new earth. The Bible says that we will no longer have sickness. There will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more death. Why? Because we will experience God's eternal life in us. We will experience the full resurrection power of Christ in us. As Christ has his glorified body, we will also be changed like him and we will have our own glorified bodies. In terms of our work, we will experience a fullness and fruitfulness of work. Our work will be fulfilling. No more stress, no more disappointments, no more worries over work. We will work in a fruitful way that honors God and do good to others. And as for the government, Christ will be our king who will rule over us and we will co-reign with him. There will be no more corruption, there will be no more wicked politicians, but only justice and righteousness will prevail. God will rule together with us in this entire dominion of his creation and we will rule in which good is honored and the wicked are punished and we will experience God's perfect justice and righteousness. And for the environment, we will live in elegant places. It says that we will live in mansions, that we will live in beautiful places. There will be no more pollution, no more drought, no more pandemic. All the things that we will see are just beautiful and elegant things. And I believe that we will spend eternity discovering and enjoying God's good creation. Think about it, the depths of the sea that we haven't really explored, the vastness of the universe that we haven't really discovered. We will have the entire eternity to, to visit that, to, to experience that, and to enjoy and, and praise God for, for the greatness and the beauty of his creation. That is something that we can look forward to. 
And then the ultimate facet of God's glory is God himself, his abiding presence. We will know God and we will see him face to face. And as a church, and we are the bride of Christ, we can see and meet our husband face to face, our Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you excited about that? For those of you who, whom, who is going to be married soon, aren't you excited to meet your husband, to meet your wife soon, and uh, be united in covenant under God and be one for the glory and honor of his name? And that is the same thing that we can look forward to. We are, as a bride, we are waiting for the coming of our husband, our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, and we will then meet him face to face when that time comes and we will marry him and we will have an everlasting honeymoon with him forever and ever. That is something that we can look forward to. Again, friends, imagine the wonderful things that God has in store for us and for his faithful ones. And I encourage you to deeply reflect on these things. Remember, this hope of the glory of God, this is not something that is just wishful thinking. Na sana totoo, sana may ganun nga na mangyari. No. This tells us, the Bible tells us, and God's word tells us that this hope of the glory of God is certain and true and it will come to pass at the right time, at the right moment, according to God's plan and purpose. So what we can do is to hope with this certainty, have faith, and wait upon the Lord. And so part of that, we can also rejoice knowing that we will have something to look forward to that is far better than what we have now. And that leads us also to the third blessing. Since we have something to look forward to, the great things that God has in store for those of them who love God, we can endure or have joy in our suffering. Joy in suffering. Verses three to four. Not only this, but we also rejoice in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. It's interesting to note that when we put our faith in Christ, God did not just uh, sap us out here or teleported us uh, from earth to heaven. No, he did not do that. Instead, God allowed us to stay here on earth to live in this fallen world. Yes, we are no longer of the world, but we are still in it. And we still struggle the pain and life's difficulties because, the fall, because of the fallenness of sin. And we continue to live in this fallen world. But why did God allow that? You see, it is not because God wants to punish us. No, he allowed us for his greater purpose. God already forgave us. God already justified us and declared us not guilty. And he already reconciled us. But why did he allow us to stay here and experience this suffering? Simple answer, for us to be like Christ so that we can be like our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 28 to 29 tells us that God causes all things all things including good things and bad things to work together for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. And for what reason? So that we may be conformed and be like Jesus, so that we may be conformed into the likeness of his son. In other words, the goal of our justification is Christ-likeness. The goal of our justification is Christ-likeness. And after our justification, every one of us, every believer will go through the process of sanctification or through the process of growing spiritually. And guess what is the goal of sanctification? It's the same. God's purpose for our sanctification is to make us more and more like Jesus. That's the goal. And ultimately, 
towards the end, we will experience glorification. And it's the same thing, that the goal of God is for us to be like Christ in our justification, sanctification, and glorification. Now let's go back to our text in Romans chapter 5, verse 3. Not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations. Tribulations, note it is in the plural. Tribulation means to be put under stress or pressure, which we can also translate as affliction, trouble, anguish, temptation, or suffering. Note also what Paul says here, tribulations, it's in the plural. You see, the Bible never teaches us that when we follow Christ, our lives will be happily ever after, and we will never face hardships. No, in fact, the opposite is true. When we follow Christ, Christ calls us to carry our cross. We will experience suffering on a day-to-day basis. We will experience trials, face temptations, face suffering, and experience many kinds of testing in all the key areas of our lives. Spiritual, physical, intellectual, emotional, relational, financial, and even vocational. Because we live in a broken world that is broken by sin, and because we still live in a world that has sin in it. Nonetheless, that should not discourage us. Why? Because our Lord Jesus Christ has already overcome the world. He said, yes, you will have tribulation, but I have overcome the world. You see, Christ has already run the race ahead of us. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the champion runner who showed us that as a fully human being, he was able to overcome and Christ's spirit is already in us and he can empower us to do the same, to be faithful to God until the end. And that should encourage us. With Christ, we can overcome the cross. And how did Christ do that? Yes, he faced suffering, but he focused on God. He focused on the crown that he will receive after the cross. And so that is the same thing that you and I can do as we face our suffering. Let us not focus too much on the suffering or the circumstances in the present. Instead, let us focus ourselves on the future hope that we have, the hope of glory, the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Everything that we will experience will surpass all the suffering that we are now having. And here is something that could also encourage us. It tells us that our tribulation results to perseverance, proven character, and then hope. Again, Paul says here, Paul is not saying rejoice in your tribulation or or rejoice for tribulation or for pain itself. No, Paul did not say that. Paul is not saying that we should be masochist. Diba? Yung masochista na gusto lang nila yung nag enjoy sila sa, sa sakit and, and the pain and sorrow. Instead, Paul is saying, no, we rejoice in our suffering, not in the suffering itself because there, is, there are good things after the suffering, and that is something that we can rejoice about, the good things after the suffering, and that will be produced afterwards. And again, what are those? Perseverance, proven character, and hope. First, tribulation can bring about perseverance. To persevere means to bear up under. You see, God sends us trials and temptations and testing, which we may feel overwhelming, but in reality, kaya natin to. Di ba sabi nga ng Panginoon, ang binibigay na pagsubok sa atin ng Panginoon, yung kaya natin, hindi siya magbibigay ng pagsubok na hindi natin kakayanin. And, the, and His purpose, so that these trials and suffering can strengthen us so that we will not become emotionally and spiritually fragile. But we have to do our part and we have to have the right perspective and the right method how to deal with these trials and tribulations. Now think about it. Think about Heidelin Diaz. She won the 
gold medal in the recent Tokyo Olympics. Uh, she's in the 55 kilogram category of women's weightlifting. And it's quite interesting about this article that I saw, Sabi Dito. Uh, she had experienced the lockdown and she improvised how to do her training. And look at how uh, Heidi Lynn do uh, her home workout. She ran uh, one mile or 1.6 uh, kilometers and two 20 meter single arm overhead kettlebell walks. Ang hirap intindihin, no? Pero that is something na pag binabasa pa lang natin, nahihirapan na tayo. But this is serious stuff because she has to train. She has to prepare her body. She has to prepare her mind for the rigorous uh, and, and demanding competition in the Olympics. And that is what is important for all of us. We need to have that same purpose. We need to have that same goal. For Heidi Lin, her workouts, her training has the purpose of developing her strength, developing her balance and stability, and preparing her mind for the upcoming or, or for the Olympics that was finished. And what's the goal? For her to compete well and eventually win a gold medal. And that is why, uh, and, and that is something that we can, we can learn from Heidelin. We need to uh, pour out blood, sweat, and tears. And I'm sure marami na siyang iniyak, marami na siyang dugot pawis ang kanyang sinakripisyo. And God calls us to do the same. You see, tribulations help us to develop our spiritual muscles and build our faith. And that is something more important. Why? Because the stakes are higher. We are not just aiming for a gold medal, but we are aiming for something that is far more eternal, and that is for us to become more and more like Christ that would bring, that would bring honor and glory to God from everlasting to everlasting. And that is something that we need to do, to persevere and to, to push for. And that should lead us to the next. From perseverance, God calls us, God wants us to have this proven character proven character. This term proven character is just one word in Greek. It means to be tested. It's like putting gold or silver through fire to prove it's, that it is real and not fake. Now, interestingly, the word tribulation also comes from the Latin word tribulum, which is something that is used for threshing. It's a roller or a board used for threshing. And ancient people use this to separate the wheat from the chaff. And that is something that uh, also sheds light to what we are going through. You see, this is something that tribulation does to us. It's separate what is important and what is unimportant in our lives. In other words, suffering reveals what is Christ-like and removes what is not Christ-like in our lives. My father passed away when I was 26 years old, and that's one of the saddest things that I experienced in my life. But because of that, God taught me how to be compassionate and it gave me an understanding of what our families are going through, especially when their loved one passed away. And that helped me to better help them and serve them. For some people, they experience sickness, they experience cancer, they experience challenging situations. Some have special children to take care of or even special people in their family to take care of. But then God used them in their weaknesses, in their places of suffering and pain. God used that to, to mold these people and eventually to use them for his glory. Friends, I don't know what you're going through right now. And I don't know what are the pain and suffering that you are undergoing. But I pray that you would hold on and that you would persevere and that your character will be built up. 
And I pray that God would use you in that place of pain and suffering. And God would use you as a wounded healer to be his instrument, to serve others, to extend his love and care for those who are in need and for those who are in pain. May God help us. Here's another thing. As the tribolum separates the wheat from the chaff, tribulation separates the real Christians from the fake ones. Tribulation separates the real Christians from the fake ones. Here in our country, many profess that they are Christians, and that is well and good, but I wonder how many are real ones. You see, many just view God or, or call on God and, and think that God is just a genie whose sole purpose is for, for them to receive from God and God to grant them every wish that they want. But I wonder how many of us would remain as Christians if we live in a close country wherein Christians are tortured, killed, and executed. And I wonder how many of us will remain faithful until the end. Again, I'm not saying that I could be that. I may, I don't know, but it's only God's grace that who would help us that when we face that kind of tribulation and testing that we will die for our faith, it is God who, who would only help us. And we should prepare that if that is part of what God is calling us to do. So friends, let us think of these things. One time I remember a friend in our seminary and, and we saw each other in the library and he said that he was studying about church history and we started to share some insights. And this is something that he said that made me think. He said, persecution and suffering purifies the church. Persecution and suffering purifies the church. And that's what we see in the seven churches in Revelation chapter three. Now think about it. In the last two years of the pandemic, all these sufferings, all these trials, what is that purpose for? I believe that perhaps God is using these trials to hasten the cleansing of his bride. Why? Because Jesus is about to come. We don't know the exact time, but God says that he will come soon and we have to be prepared. We have to be ready, we have to be alert and watching and ready. And so here's the question for us. How are we preparing ourselves to meet our God? Are you prepared to meet our Lord? Are you cleaning yourself and making yourself ready as a bride of Christ to meet your husband? Are you ready for your big day, your big wedding day with the Lord? So may the Lord help us. Next, proven character turns to hope. Proven character turns to hope. Hope is the final link in this chain that starts with our suffering. And Paul here goes in full circle. Now remember, the hope is the second blessing of justification, that hope of glory that we discuss. And that is something that is, uh, we can look forward to when we see God face to face. Now how is genuine hope produced? You see, suffering strips us away from all the sources of false hopes in our lives. Now think about it, if you are already sick with this incurable disease and you're now staring at death face to face, where would you put your hope? Would you put your hope in your money? Would it be on your fame, your achievements, your influence, your power? Of course not. You would put your hope in God because he is the only real hope. He is the true source of hope. And that is the same thing that tribulations does to us. It drives us to the one place that we can find hope, and that is in God alone. Now let me summarize what we've covered today. 
Because of God's gift of our justification in Christ, we receive these wonderful blessings. We have peace with God that redeems our past, the hope of glory that secures our future, and the joy in suffering that empowers us to endure the present. Because of God's gift of our justification in Christ, we receive these wonderful blessings. The peace with God that redeems our past, the hope of glory that secures our future, and the joy in suffering that empowers us to endure the present. Now, how do we apply these truths? Let me share you these points. The first is enjoy the peace that God gives us. Verse 5 tells us, hope does not put us to shame or lead to disappointment because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Friends, through Christ, God lavishly poured out his love for us and God has already justified us and forgiven our sins and for those of us who trust in him. So whatever you have done in the past, if there is something that burdens you with guilt, remember that Christ has forgiven you. If there is something shameful that you have done in the past, remember that Christ has cleansed you already. And it says that those who are in Christ, they are no longer condemned. There is now no condemnation in Christ. And that is the blessing of the peace of God. And God invites us to enjoy this gift, the freedom from burden of guilt and the freedom from the burden of shame. And now that we have peace with God, we can also enjoy the peace of God. So are you worried? Do you have worries and concerns? Don't be afraid. Cry out to the Lord and bring it out to him. Remember, we are now God's children and we can cry out to our heavenly Father who will hear us. And God's spirit is in us that teaches us, that enables us to cry out, Abba, Father. And so this is another blessing. And if you are anxious about tomorrow, don't be afraid, as the Apostle Paul tells us. Why? Because we can have access to our Heavenly Father. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is our Prince of Peace. And that is one thing that we can enjoy. Next is, extends God's grace and love to others. Romans 5.5 5 tells us that God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Here in verse 5, Paul used the term God's love for the first time here in Romans. And this love is something that God did not just give us na tingi, pero ang sabi dito, poured out to us with lavish abundance. Ibinuhos ng Panginoon ang kanyang pag-ibig para sa ating lahat. That is something with, uh, with an idea of lavish abundance, lavish blessing. How? By giving us His Holy Spirit. And what made it possible? Verses 5 to 8. Or verse 6. You see that just at the right time, we were still powerless when we were still helpless. Christ died for the ungodly. And God demonstrates His love for us that what? that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, Christ died for us. That's the summary of the gospel. Christ died for us. But what is our situation when Christ died? Think about it. Was it when we were already perfect and lovable that Christ died for us? Not at all. Instead, it's the complete opposite. Christ died for us while we were still sinners, 
when we were still committing sins in our thoughts, minds, hearts, words, and action. Christ died for us when we were still ungodly, when all the things that we want is just focus on ourselves and we hate the things of God. And Christ died for us when we were still powerless, when we were still under the power of sin. Again, friends, think about it. God did not wait for us to be good before he showed his goodness to us. Christ did not wait for us to be lovable before he poured out his love to us. And Christ did not wait for us to make the right choices before he chose to save us. And there is something, uh, and, and there's a big implication for all of these things. Since Christ did this to us while we were still sinners, Christ invites us to do the same to others, especially to the unlovable and to those who sin against us. Now reflect on your life. Who are the people that you consider unlovable and unworthy of your love? Perhaps it's the person sitting beside you right now. Or maybe it's your spouse. It's your nagging wife. Is it your overcritical husband? Is it your disobedient children? Or maybe it's your demanding boss or ungrateful employees. Maybe it's your enemy that hurt you and, and disappointed you or betrayed you. O siya ba yung kapatid mo sa Panginoon na hindi bumoto dun sa kandidatong napili mo, na kandidatong gusto mong manalo? Perhaps those people are the ones that you consider unlovable, unworthy, and don't deserve your love. And may the Lord help us because Christ loved us when we were still sinners, when we were still unlovable, and Christ invites us and calls us to do the same. Friends, I know you have valid reasons why you don't love some people. They have offended you and hurt you. Some have broken your trust and disappointed you. And some perhaps even betrayed you. But then, think about it. God also has more legitimate reasons not to love us. How many times have we loved ourselves more than love God? How many times that we have lived for ourselves more than living for him and loving others? And how many times that we have betrayed the Lord by worshiping the idols of our heart, serving our own purpose, and building our own kingdom. Again, may the Lord help us. Now, loving those who sin against us is a high calling, and we cannot do it with our own effort. But praise God, he did not leave us on our own. He said that God poured out his Holy Spirit in us, and that is the supernatural power that we need to overcome and be overcomers and to love those who are unlovable and unworthy. And that would empower us to be like Christ. Again, praise God for his Holy Spirit that empowers us. Next application for you to consider. Embrace your calling as God's ambassador. It says here in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 20, that if anyone is in Christ, God made him into a new creation. The old has passed away and the new is here. But then it doesn't end there. God reconciled us to himself, but it is not the end of itself because after God reconciled us, God gave us that ministry of reconciliation. God gave us that new mission, that new purpose in our lives that we no longer live for ourselves, but live for God. How? By being ambassadors of Christ. God gave us that duty, that role to be his representative. And what is our mission? So that we can be messengers of his reconciliation, of his peace, of his good news, of peace and reconciliation to the world. But the question is, are you willing to follow Christ? Are you willing to embrace that calling?
Again, remember, God has showed you his grace by forgiving your sins and restoring your relationship with him. And now God calls you to do the same. Would you obey and follow the Lord and embrace his calling as his ambassador? May the Lord help us. Therefore, let us not be afraid to proclaim the gospel. Let us not be ashamed to proclaim the gospel of Christ. So do you know someone in your family or your friends who has not heard the gospel? I encourage you, share the gospel to them. Preach the gospel. Be God's light and soul. Be Christ's representative in your circle of influence. Reach out to that person and share the good news. And as you do so, may God's name be honored and may they grow and experience faith in God. Next, endure and suffer well. Friends, remember that our suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces proven character and character hope. Therefore, let us do our best to carry our cross, to die to ourselves, and live for God. Now, I want to clarify, please don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that we should tolerate people who are abusing us, especially if you are being physically abused or sexually abused. If you are experiencing that, please get in touch with us so we can know how we can help you. But then we should be ready to endure and suffer well. Remember, as Christians, we are to follow our masters. We are to follow not many masters, but we are to follow our only master, Jesus Christ. Think about it. What is it? What's the meaning of the word Christian? Christian means little Christ, our followers of Jesus. And therefore, we are to follow our lives after him. We are to follow his pattern and Christ's example. Think about it. Jesus suffered death before he experienced glory. And Christ endured the cross before he gained the crown. And that is the same for us. God calls us to endure and to suffer well. And as we suffer, let us not suffer alone, but suffer together. And let us encourage one another. And remember, after you have overcome, God will give us these crowns, the crown of righteousness, the crown of life, the crown of rejoicing, and the crown of glory. This is something that we can look forward to. The last, encourage others who are also suffering. Friends, not all of us suffer with the same degree. Some of us face minor difficulties and others have more challenging situations. But whatever your situation is, God invites us also not just to focus on our suffering, but focus, but help also those who are in need and who are suffering. So think about someone or think about a person or a family who is in need right now. Perhaps you could send them a text message or encourage them with words of encouragement. Perhaps you can send them food or a financial gift to help them during this difficult season in their lives. Maybe you can set a time to visit them and ask for their prayer requests. And may you continue to reach out to those people who are in need and those who are suffering. And as you journey with them during this difficult season, May God use you as a channel of his blessing as you journey with these people during this difficult season in time of their lives. May God use you to be a channel of his blessing for his glory and the good of others. Again, this is our lesson for today. Let us remember, because of God's gift of our justification in Christ, we receive these wonderful blessings. We have peace with God that redeems our past, the hope of glory that secures our future, and joy and suffering that empowers us to endure the present. These are the blessings of our justification. Our peace with God, hope of glory, 
and joy in suffering. And how do we apply these things? These are the things that I encourage you to consider, pray about, and more importantly, live out. Enjoy the peace that God gives. Extend God's grace to love others. Embrace your calling as God's ambassador. Endure and suffer well. Encourage others who are also suffering. May the Lord help us. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the beautiful message of Romans 5. Thank you, Lord, that you are the God who is a great God, a glorious God, a holy God who is perfect in righteousness, in holiness. But you are also a God who is merciful, who is loving, who is kind. And you have given us the chance to be with you, to be reconciled back to you by giving your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for sacrificing your life on the cross to pay for the penalty of our sins. Lord, we acknowledge that you lived the perfect life that we failed to live and that you died the horrible death that we deserve and you received the punishment of God that should have fallen on us. Thank you, Lord, for saving us from the wrath of God and help us to appreciate this truth, this reality, this great blessing and help us not to take this for granted. And Father, as we come before you, help us to, to appreciate more of these blessings that we have, the, the blessing of having peace with you, the hope of the future glory that we can have in Christ, knowing that we will someday be co-heirs with Christ, that we will receive the eternal inheritance when we overcome. And we thank you, Lord, that with that hope, we can have this perspective of having the, the courage and the strength to endure suffering. Father, as we face our trials here on earth, help us, O oh God, to, to know you through our trials, through our difficulties. Use us, O oh God, do everything that is necessary to make us more and more like Christ, however painful it is. Help us to carry our cross daily, to die to ourselves, and to live for you. May your kingdom come, may your will be done. Enable us, Lord, to build your kingdom and give us that opportunity to be your ambassadors, to preach your gospel to those who are lost, to be salt and light to the world. Help us, O God. For those of us who are sick, help us, O Lord, to experience your wholeness, your healing, your resurrection power. But more importantly, build our character, build our inner self so that we can become more and more like our master purify our faith may our faith come out that is more precious than silver and gold and may this be something lord god that would truly honor you and glorify your name help us lord god as one country to heal us one to reconcile lord god after the division because of the politics that we've experienced recent uh, during the recent election be the one to lead our country to move forward and help us, Lord God, to really live out to our name as a Christian nation. May we be a nation that is faithful to you, to be followers of Christ in a genuine sense, and to, to love you genuinely with, um, to love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love others as Christ called us to do. Thank you, Father, for today. Thank you for this beautiful passage in the book of Romans. Help us more than having this knowledge, empower us with your spirit to obey and apply these things in our lives. First, to ourselves, second, to our family, and third, to the greater community in our country and in our church. 
Thank you, Father. All, all these things, Lord God, we lift up to you with thanksgiving. May you alone be honored and glorified. Thank you so much. Father, all these things we pray. And as you bow down your head, let me give you this benediction. May, the, may God himself, the God of peace, the God who blesses you with hope and joy, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Thank you very much. God bless us all.